0: Hi, I'm Jessica Damitas, and this is Seedcast. Test, 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 test. From what we know of our native cultures pre-colonialism, protecting babies and families was a community effort. And access to traditional medicine and the teachings of our people was a vital component of our well-being. Oh. Hi Cammy. Hi, Thank you, you for having us. <laughs> I should have brought my dog. I know. She would have loved it. I'm at the home of Cammy J. Goldhammer in Seattle, Washington, here on Co-Salish Territory. I don't know how many interviews you've done. A couple. A couple. Yeah, you know, just a few. I'm kind of famous. <laughs> kind of. My girls ask it. They're
1: really like, they're like, are you famous? And I'm like. <laughs> In Bemidji, Minnesota, like (laughs) in a very like niche, you know, like, yes, in the indigenous birth worker lactation world, you could say that, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, no, in general, I'm not.
0: Cammy has spent nearly 20 years serving urban Native families. And in 2021, co-founded Hummingbird Indigenous Family Services, a nonprofit created to serve Indigenous parents and their growing families. She's a national leader on topics of racial equity, birth work, and breastfeeding reclamation. So yeah, she's kind of famous. And I wanted to talk with her because pregnancy and becoming a parent are significant human experiences and fairly mystifying to me.
1: I'm um, Petu Mitakiapi, Mi uh, Takiapi, Kami Goldhammer Makiapie, uh, Tamakotawiya, Sisitan Wapetuan Hamacha, uh, Seattle Edwati. Uh, so I said, Good day, relative. My name is Kami Goldhammer. I'm a Dakota woman, so my tribe is Sisitan Wapetan Oyate, and I live in Duwamish Territory, also known as Seattle. I'm a clinical social worker lactation consultant, and full-spectrum Indigenous doula. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Cami is someone who I think would describe herself through her work to most anyone. Her practice is a big identifier of who she is. And I think it's because she gets to have a professional identity while getting to be deep in her Native identity, serving her Native community. And she's really good at it, too.
1: I've only ever wanted to work in the Native community. I have almost exclusively only worked in my community as well. For me, becoming a mom and having my kiddo, I trust that where I'm at is where I was meant to be always. I grew up with like, my dad is my Native parent. His mom, is my my grandma was a very important person in my life. So I, you know, very much had like strong connections to who I was as a Native person or a Native kid. And there was also a pretty big disconnect, too, within that, right? Like knowing and being raised Native, but also not necessarily be raised, being raised in the culture, right? Like in, in the practices and things like that.
0: Cami grew up needing affirmation and connection to her Native Dakota identity. As a mixed-race person, she looked to her grandma for cultural connection. And yet she still often looked for what is unseen. She looked for a sign, for connection to her Dakota ancestry.
1: The only way I can describe this is similar to how I hear some people talk about religion and what they would call a god. That kind of thing of like, are you there? Show me a sign. I always had that when it came to my ancestors because I knew that the ancestors were there. (laughs) that They were like watching out for us, that kind of thing, but never actually felt that in my core, if that makes sense. And it was something that I wanted.
0: What Cami is saying here does make sense to me. As someone who was born and raised in what is currently known as South Texas in the United States, I know this feeling very well. My ancestors' indigenous culture and knowledge is a vital part of my Mexican family's identity. And it's complex work to piece together the stories and the names. It's so hard to find belonging in something that wasn't designed for me to feel like I have claim to. So yeah, I often am left wondering, who are my ancestors? What are their stories? And what are the lasting effects of their experience that continue to leave an impression on my life? Cami shared with me a story from her Dakota teachings.
1: I've shared this story many times but it does kind of go back to like our Dakota teachings which is we we believe or are taught that babies choose us so babies are with our ancestors they're in the stars they're not you know and it's not a heaven or anything like that it's just they're they're stars and we're star people and a baby looks down and decides, you know, like, you're my mom, you're my dad, or you're my parent, you know, and they make that decision, which I think is a really empowering thing. And that's something that in my work that I've done over the last 20 years, it really does come, that is like a core value of mine, that that baby chose that parent. Like they had that ancestral knowledge that they were the right person for them. And that's why and how I've been able to just like devote my life to supporting people and parenting their children. I don't know. It's just so easy for me to look at parents through their baby's eyes and see like why they pick them. So what happens when someone is having their baby, we go through what we call transition. It's the time period from when a person is in active labor to when they start pushing. So there's that transition between those two things and there's a shift, right? And that's a time period that's very scary. Um, It's very intense. It's often the time where someone thinks they can't do it any longer they might start panicking. We believe that that's actually when we go and retrieve our baby. We're straddling. We have one foot here on earth and we have one foot on that other side. I wouldn't call it life and death, you know, but that is kind of what it is, right? We have to do that to bring our baby here and bring them Earthside.
0: Hearing these teachings is the closest thing to magic and time travel that I've ever heard. As someone who has never given birth, hearing this story created so much awe and wonder for me. <laughs> like you, you must leave this earthly plane and enter another to bring your baby to this earth. This experience sounds epic, transformative, and yes, very scary. There are layers of complexity here, especially as so many people give birth in medical settings are far removed from their ancestral practices. Cami didn't have the labor that she expected, but she found another time when the ancestors were very close.
1: I had a C-section, so I never went through transition, but I had an amazing nurse who... Had talked to me about breastfeeding. I had really not thought about breastfeeding before. And then she said, it's time to feed your baby. And Dylan latched on to me. And literally in that moment, I mean it was like like in Star Wars, like when you go into like warp speed. All of a sudden in a different galaxy, just you go whoosh. And that's what happened. Like we all of a sudden were just like in our own, in our own world. And all I could see was her nursing. I couldn't see anything else around us. And then I had a feeling that someone was watching us. You know, I mean, I just like could tell that we were being looked at and that we weren't alone. And and I looked up and what I saw, or what I knew I saw, was the faces of the women that came before me. And they were like looking at us, and this was the thing is that they were smiling, And I knew in that moment that what I was doing was healing them. And then it was over, like it was gone. (laughs) It was such a powerful experience for me where like my whole life, I had longed for that.
0: And just like that, Cammie got her sign.
1: The way I mother is most in line with the way I know my ancestors mothered pre-colonialism, which is just with deep abiding love. Like that's it. Cause we didn't have to worry about anything else. All we had to do was love our babies. I'm so proud of the way that I was able to do that. And so I really think for me, Mothering is the most traditional thing I've ever done and I don't mean traditional in the sense of 1950s traditional, right? I mean like in line with the way my ancestors parented because I didn't I didn't go through transition and labor. It was nursing is the time that I was like, you're my baby, I'm your mom and it's you and me. I really believe love, attachment, bonding, I really believe heals historical trauma. Not only because I saw it with my own eyes, right? I saw the women that came before me happy and it was finally like, okay, here's that, that reclamation. And that ability to say, like, no, we're we're doing this. Like, I'm a Native mom. I'm raising my Native babies. And that's it. No one can stop us. I wanted as many people as possible to experience that and be empowered in their, you know, Indigenous matriarchy. That's the thing about Parenting, and you know, in this case, I you know, I'm since I identify as a mom, you know, talking about mothering, we have to remember it's a cultural practice. Mothering is a cultural practice, breastfeeding is a cultural practice. These aren't things that you know how to do, and I think that that's one of the greatest myths that mainstream white society tells us is that mothering is natural or instinctual and it's not because when we look at our primate relatives that are closest to us you know like gorillas in captivity don't mother their babies you know they don't know how to they have to like learn those things because they don't see it
0: what cami says here is so important because as indigenous people we need to be with our own in order to know how not only to take care of ourselves, but of each other. And Cami reminds me that parents need a greater web of support to raise the little ones.
1: For humans, too, like, when we think about, like, the world we grow up in, we don't learn how to be a mom by, like, giving birth to someone. We, we learn it by being mothered ourselves by being around mothers, by being around aunties, you know? And I really wanna like call out that role of the auntie too, because it's it's such an important thing because bottom line is not everyone's path is to be a parent, right? Like that doesn't make any sense from an evolutionary perspective too, right? We need so many people that take care of babies. and my my friend Elena in Red Rock, who I've learned so much from, you know, especially around traditional birth practices, Red Rock did a fatherhood panel a couple months ago because he grew up traditional and so has a lot of those teachings. And he's the one who shared like the only role of a parent traditionally was to love your child. That's it. He's like, it's the aunties. And the uncles and the grandparents that were responsible for the discipline the teachings that you know like all of those other things the parents only were there to love their baby and that makes so much sense to me but when we look at a traditional community or pre-colonial times where that was possible but now we're all live all over the place even if we live near a family they might not be healthy they might not be someone that we want to be a part of our daily life be someone that we can send our kid to learn things from I mean there's just so much we live hundreds of miles thousands of miles away and that was all intentional Right? The the U.S. government speaking, you know, specifically about the U.S., but we know that colonial governments have replicated these policies all over the world. But the purpose has always been to disrupt the family. Most of us are not on our traditional homeland. We have so many people in the urban areas that are just so disconnected for lots of reasons. All of it intentional, though. That changes everything.
0: So what does it mean for indigenous and native people who are living in the diaspora, who are not living on their traditional territories, who are not living close to their people? I think it means we are forced to work extra hard to raise our babies with the love, care, and intention we know they deserve. Knowing the distractions and violence of a world that surrounds us is omnipresent. But what Cami is doing, her birth work practice and leadership, is a response to the environment that is attempting to disrupt the family.
1: Hummingbird Indigenous Family Services is a nonprofit that I co-founded with several Indigenous doulas, and we have our Birthkeeper program, which is our doula program. We are trying to separate from that word "doula" too, because it doesn't necessarily align with who we are as Indigenous people and as Indigenous birth keepers, which is what we use. But we still use the term doula because that's what a lot of people recognize as the term to use. When you're talking about supporting people having babies or providing non-medical support to people having babies, for me, like the birth keeper program and the role that we play in supporting our families having babies is unique to every individual. We have some people who want an Indigenous doula because they just want an Indigenous doula. They just want someone else that might look like them, that has a shared experience. It just means something to have someone from your community in that space. And then we have folks that are maybe reconnecting, like, you know, they know they're native, but they didn't necessarily like grow up in that culture. And they're longing for that. Becoming a parent is definitely a time that opens people up. Pregnancy is a natural time to think about what is it that I'm gonna pass down. It certainly lays a foundation, and it's a foundation that we all stand on. What is this little one that's coming here going to have of mine that I can give them? And for most of us, that is culture. It really is. And when I think of culture, that means like our spirituality, our language, our food and our connection to land. Those are the things that make up culture. And for many communities, especially tribal communities, it is the matriarchs that facilitate that, right? We are the ones that pass down that information. And so I think about those first years, you know, of a baby being born into a home where their parent was loved and supported and safe, bringing them earthside the foundation that that lays for a human. Pregnancy and birth is our first ceremony that we go through. Breast milk or human milk is our first traditional food. We cannot have food sovereignty or body sovereignty or tribal sovereignty without these things.
0: Indigenous sovereignty begins at birth. And people like Cami remind us that we can have access to our culture and our traditions. That it's so important to remember where we came from. This episode was produced by me, Jessica Ramirez, and mixed by Ha Awai Decker, with story editing by Julie Keck. Niyatero is a Seattle-based foundation. We are both indigenous and non-indigenous peoples with a mission to secure indigenous guardianship for all vital ecosystems. That means we provide support to indigenous peoples globally who are protecting their homelands from colonization and destruction. Their practices are one of our best guides for making Earth livable for generations to come. Here at SeedCast, our guests represent themselves. They don't necessarily reflect the views of Neatero. We honor their lived experiences and honest perspectives. You can learn more about Seedcast and about our work at Neotero.org. And don't forget Seedcast is now on Instagram. Visit us at Neatero underscore Seedcast and please, please share with your friends. The executive producer of Seedcast is Tracy Rector. The senior producer is Jenny Asarno. Seedcast producers are Julie Keck, Stina Hamlin, and me, Jessica Damidis, with additional support from Haaheo Awai Ducker. Fact-checking by Roman Lee Johnson. Nia social media by Nancy Kelsey. Transcripts by Sharon Arnold. Seedcast graphics by Cindy Shishili. Seedcast theme song is Rooted by Mia Kami. I'm your host, Jessica D'Amidas, and we look forward to sharing more stories with you all very soon. Like the wind, we still move. Like the waves, we rise high. Like the sun, we never die. No staying quiet.